fit chivalry, more like fits angsty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the pity laugh. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy. I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing Chapter 7, Pharaoh. Very close to my last name. Yes. <laughs> Would it be, like, now that I say it out loud, Pharaoh, it's, like, very similar. Well, it's the exact same pronunciation to Egyptian Pharaoh. So it would be more like Pharaoh? I don't know. The double R. I don't know. I was just, like, rhyming it with Arrow. You know, right. Pharaoh. I'm just going to go with Pharaoh. <laughs> we have been. Yes. <laughs> but I guess it brings up another question of pronunciation because there is no standard. No. As we noted at the beginning of this podcast, in one of the first couple episodes, Robin Hobb has stated that she doesn't have specific pronunciations. She has ways that she does it, but she never states a specific, this is official. Right. And she has tweeted at our podcast that however we want to pronounce Burek is fine (laughs) so we have her official approval (laughs) at the beginning of this chapter pharaoh we have a nice little overview of what lady patience has been doing at buckkeep how she has accumulated her power and how she has stabilized that power and what uh, she's been doing with that power in buckkeep while there is no proper king or queen there and only Lord Bright to contend with. So they go a little bit of intro of who she is. She was born as a lady, but kind of rejected all of those trappings and, you know, was educated as one, but went off on her own way, her own quaint, unique way, which we all know (laughs) and love. And it wasn't until after all power had passed her by that she started gathering the reins of influence, they kind of say here. Right. And it also points out that she does it in such a weird way that is so unique to her that it wouldn't work for anybody else. Right. Because she doesn't do it the typical way. She doesn't use her family's name or the name of her late husband Mm -hmm. to try to gather support. She does it by going after the lowliest, in quotes, of people, which is the men and women women at arms. Yeah, the uh, the leftover guards at Buckkeep who did not make the journey inland, who were told to station and guard there, but then Lord Bright brought his own men and probably women over as well, and the guards who were at Buckkeep are just kind of relegated to doing mundane tasks like cleaning, maintenance, that sort of thing, sometimes getting paid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and these we should specify are the old guards to Ketrikin and King Shrewd. So it's even more of a hopeless feeling because their leaders are gone. Yeah, there's there's no one left to guard. Yes. And so Lady Patience began riding out during the day and recruiting a couple of them to guard her during these rides around the countryside, eventually lengthening lengthening them into, you know, all-day excursions, into overnight excursions to other towns, visiting towns that had been forged or uh, were at danger of getting raided, and assisting them, using the 
uh, volunteer guards <laughs> as strong backs to help, and it 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 helps remind the guards um, where they came from, what they trained for, and what they're fighting against, and gave them more of a purpose right. and more camaraderie because they were kind of degrading. They they had low morale, right? In general, it also shows them what happens when they don't guard. So there's kind of that like darker side of the coin where. Because they haven't been protecting the people of Buck or just of the duchies in general, um, this is what has happened to them. And now they're hands-on helping the people. And so it's like boosting their spirits to see how they can actually be of use. Yeah, definitely. Kind of stoking their pride a little bit. Right. And I I do want to make one quick mention that, I don't know, bothered me for some reason, (laughs) that all of this was... A small show of force that Buckkeep and the Farseer pride still existed. And I know that Patience was married to a Farseer and probably has the last name Farseer at this point. But also, this is all her doing, and she is not related to the Farseers. So it's strange to me that, like, the pride gets given to the Farseer line instead of more pronounced of her her own pride, I guess. I mean, it it is her line, though, too. Like you said, she married into the Farseers. She is a Farseer. And she's bringing around the king and queen's personal guards to do right. this. So, I mean, I think she's an intelligent enough woman to use that residual loyalty to the Farseers to her advantage and probably saying, like, where your best regalia as we go around to these villages. Right. There's still leaders here. Right. And I know she wouldn't take that credit for herself and would willingly give the credit to the Farseer line. It just makes me sad that it's the Farseers that kind of get the credit. I don't know. She's known as a Farseer. I suppose. She was a no-name noblewoman who didn't want to be a noblewoman before Prince Chivalry. Right. Like, I married know, her, and so she was, became high-profile as a Farseer. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I'm just being overly sensitive. It just—I <laughs> <laughs> don't know. I just wish that she could get to enjoy that more, which, She's to be fair— She's the lady of Buckkeep. She know? is the lady of Buckkeep, yeah. and she does get the Ivy Runners and such. But, I don't know, that little line made me a little sad, because— it, the Farseer men had nothing to do with this. <laughs> this they never mentioned her. the Farseer men. No, no, that's true, but... I think you're just thinking of Farseers as all the men, because yes. the Farseer kind of women have know. either died or it's patience. <laughs> so... And her husband is, has been dead for a while, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But like Emma mentioned, eventually she gained the trust and... Uh, instilled trust and and reliability back into some of these guardsmen and used them for other errands, such as guarding some of her message runners to different duchies. And we get the story of the creation of the ivy runners because they would, the runners themselves would bring a an ivy plant with them just saying that as proof that we came from... From patience. From patience. Because she was known to grow ivy year-round. Mm-hmm. So these guards accompanied their runners, and uh, we go into a little bit more detail about some of the 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 more well-known adventures, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, of some of the Ivy runners, particularly a an 11-year-old girl who was alone at this point and who hid, like, among the raiders, uh, like, wagons and stuff like that, and eventually burned a tent around 
uh, down around the Raiders leader before completing that run. Her name is Pansy. Yes, yes she's Pansy. pretty cool. And she does not live past the age of 13, yep. which is very sad. But she is remembered forever. She was bringing a message to the Duchess of Burns. So mm-hmm. Burns popping up again there. I was trying to remember if Duke Brondi had a wife that was mentioned or if it's always just his daughters. So I'm wondering, like, did Duke Brondi die at this point that that Pansy was right. doing this run? I don't know. I know we get a scene with Fitz Skilling and witnessing, you know, a fight with the daughters in a cave. But I don't remember if Brondi is there. I don't either. And I know that this specific instance that they talk about with Pansy does talk about how she meets the Duchess of Burns in the caves to let them know that there is a supply ship on the way. And that doesn't mean that this is congruent congruent with what's happening in the story that we're about to read. Yeah, this is a little out of the timeline. But potentially it could be the daughter's. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering. But I guess it doesn't really matter. Other ways that Patience <laughs> helped, though, yes. uh, is selling off her jewelry and using that money, even though it's not full payment, using some of that money to pay off carpenters and, and things like that to help rebuild towns, paying guards when she can, things like that, just so there's some more pride and, and some uh, compensation for their work. And with her gratitude, it's not just you're doing this pro bono. Right. And there is a little mention on how Lord Bright kind of ignores her, that there's no record of how he felt either way. But she made it a point to say that she was doing this with her own money. She was having leisurely strolls and happened upon these people. Nothing is official. She's just doing this on her own. And because she's not using the Farseer name or her status as ex-queen-in-waiting, she kind of went under the radar, probably. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of how she actually <laughs> got away with this. And so the Buckkeep Guard began to wear an Ivy badge, and it just kind of showed what everybody already knew at that time, that they were patiences. And that's how she kind of established her power base, we can say, in Buckkeep, building up the confidence and the pride again into the Buckkeep Guards, who were mm-hmm. the old guard there, and having that solid foundation. And she was often quoted as saying, a tower seldom crumbles from the bottom up. She told more than one and claimed to have the saying from Prince Chivalry. She defended them verbally as well. (laughs) Yes, she did. And also, I guess we left out that she would also help the towns that were in fear of being attacked build little fortresses so that they could better protect themselves from any oncoming raiders. Yeah, definitely. So she's doing a lot. She's a very busy woman (laughs) and does not have any time for Lord Bright and his nonsense. (laughs) Well, she never had any time for any nonsense, to be fair. That's except true. for her own. <laughs> well, it's not nonsense if she's doing it. True. And she has more than once said that, actually. Yes. <laughs> if Fitz is doing it, it's nonsense. If she suggested it, it's not. <laughs> so Fitz and Night Eyes are traveling. Yes. They leave Black Rolf and Holly's place. And immediately do exactly what Black Rolf 
reminded them, or I'm sorry, warned them not to do, which is move as one and use the wit a lot. (laughs) We literally just got done getting a warning that using wit attracts the forged ones. And the very first paragraph of this is Fitz talking about how they moved as one creature, scarcely even thinking, and when they did, it was very quiet to each other. Mm-hmm. Which they is were careful, still, yeah, they were yes. very careful to to hide themselves or make themselves small, but they were still very very much enmeshed with one another. Right, which I feel like defeats the purpose of making yourself small if you're still going to use a magic that attracts people to you. Either way, it worked. They haven't encountered any forged ones. That we know of. Maybe there were no forged ones in that area. True. But either way, it worked. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and so he is still determined. He's still talking in his head like, uh, I was more determined than ever to go after Will and the Coterie and Regal. And maybe Verity would have even approved because it has a soldier's logic to it of, they're not going to stop hunting me. He knows I'm scared of him, meaning Will. So he's going to like, so Will's going to be looking for me and he'll never suspect me going directly to him. So I'll be safest moving towards him to kill him. Which Will did just rifle through his entire brain and he was already planning on doing that. So I don't know where the logic is there that Will would never expect it. I don't know if he gets fully through all the memories, because remember, we've talked about this before with uh, with Galen going through everything in his right. mind and Justin. I think it like takes time to process and like dig deep down to things. So I don't think he was able to sure. parse out everything. You but know? here's my my rebuttal to that is that this is all Fitz has been thinking about since he returned from the dead. So I don't think it'd be very far down to rifle through, if you know what I mean. Like, Well, if he encounters Will, I think other things would press up to the top at that point. Sure, sure. I, I don't know. I just feel like it'd be up there near the top, and it would not be out of the realm of possibility that Will knows. Maybe. Although, I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe. this is Fitz just justifying to himself why he's not stopping while he's ahead. I think so a little bit too, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know how the skill works, so. (laughs) And so he's uh, describing how they're traveling through there. Pharaoh opens up and it's a a lot more open than Buckkeep is because Buckkeep is very craggy and rocky and there's lots of hills. Right. And Pharaoh is much more open. It's much more agriculture based as well inland so uh he's healing from his attack on the forged ones um but he he notes that there is a a black and blue shoulder bruise all over and it's painful if he tried to lift his arm over his head but that was all minor three years ago he would have considered that a serious injury and he would have bathed it in cold water and poulticed it with herbs to hasten its healing Now, although it purpled my whole shoulder and twinged whenever I moved it, it was only a bruise and I left it to heal on its own. And I feel like I'm trying to like place this thought and his thought process there with what Chade and Birik always were like complaining about him using like drugs to move on and like not letting your body heal. And I see this as like a good and bad thing because it's good that he's letting just his body heal on its own. But it's bad that he compares it to three years ago. I would have like bathed it. I would have taken like, care of myself. Yeah, I would have yeah. put some like medicine on it to hasten the healing. But now it's fine. Like, 
that's not taking drugs to like yeah. <laughs> have strength to go on to the next thing. Ibuprofen and cocaine are two very different things, Fitz. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, yeah, so it's like a mixed bag on me for that. I just wanted to point it out all quick. Right. Good. <laughs> Good pointer. He also uh, looks after Night Eyes, because remember, Night Eyes got that sword slash along yes. him. So he's looking at that wound, and Night Eyes is very impatient with him, because he does not want that poked and prodded. Right. Because Fitz never looks. He always pokes, too. <laughs> he says, then sit still and let me poke it. He's trying to pluck free all of the uh, the grass and push the fur back from it and everything. And eventually, Night Eyes, after grabbing his wrist a few times with his teeth, just grumbles at him and tells him to stop. Yes. It's done. It's over. <laughs> that he worries too much. And Fitz is very concerned with him because he's... With what Black Rolf was saying to him and those long-term questions that he brought up, what happens when one of you dies, he has his own life, you have your own life, what if, you know, decisions make you split for a little bit? Fitz is thinking more about their bond and how Night Eyes shouldn't have to live like this. He shouldn't have to go through and have Fitz put him into danger. Right. He shouldn't be alone wandering from place to place with a human. He should have his own pack and that sort of stuff. Night Eyes says, Someday is someday, and maybe it will be, or maybe it won't. This is a human thing to worry about things that may or may not yet come to be. You can't eat the meat until you've killed it. Besides, I am not alone. We are together. That is true. We are together. I wanted to point that out before I get to this next section because immediately Fitz starts thinking of Molly. They're going down to to bed. Right. And Fitz immediately starts thinking of Molly and trying to skill out to her because he's lonely. Right. <laughs> and it's just so interesting how Fitz can't see the duality of that in Night Eyes later. I think he I think he does. He's just clinging on later on, which right. we can get to. Right. We'll get to later, but it's just that dependence. But uh, he does see him as a lonely entity later on in this before he splits off as well. So right. it's just a little like, oh, you shouldn't be here like with me. At least we have to get like each other, though. And then like <laughs> immediately yearns for somebody else. Right. <laughs> I think it's also important to point out that we have been getting hints that Night Eyes is lonely from the beginning of this book, if not earlier, more, I think, present in this book. But I think there were even hints before um, this chapter really solidifies it, obviously. But, yeah, definitely. But it's interesting to see the parallel between Night Eyes's wanting to belong and Fitz's and how they both seem to struggle with that issue. This chapter is uh, a lot of bonding for Night Eyes and Fitz, as well as a lot of introspection on Fitz's part, just trying to understand the nature of their bond and looking at Night Eyes as a separate someone right. rather than like we're together and we're bonded and we are one. Yes. Because Fitz is fairly selfish as a character. Yeah. <laughs> In some regards, he's also very... right. Selfless. Selfless yes, in does. others. Selfless with his life. Selfish in thinking of the people who are very close to him. Yes, I would agree. So he tries 
to reach out to Molly and he can't find her at all. There's he's not getting any connection and he's been trying for a while. And at last he gets a little image of Burek um, thatching a roof. He's shirtless and very sun kissed and is telling a lady that he knows very well she could do it herself, but he doesn't want to have to worry about the both of them falling. And so he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fitz, of course, can't put two and two together, so doesn't know that the lady that he's talking about is Molly. <laughs> but, right. you know, he doesn't really have... I, I was going to say he doesn't really have hints that direction, but Molly gave him pretty solid hints that right. direction. But at the same time, he, he was also- really dumb in that re- Regard so, but also we have to think back to like I don't know a few weeks before that when he found out Ketrickin was pregnant and literally had to have it spelled out to him. Yeah, so he's yes, he doesn't have experience in that in that area of life. (laughs) No, he clearly does not think about it very often. Um, But I do think it's interesting that he talks about how he cannot reach Molly no matter how hard he tries, and when he eventually does, he doesn't know that he's uh, reached her, and. That's why I feel like I'm going to go back to this theory that it's something to do with Nettle and not Molly at all. I don't think he is ever reaching Molly. I think it's something to do with Nettle because he doesn't ever reach her after. He only ever sees her through Nettle's eyes. And I don't know, because Nettle is in the womb, (laughs) he's seeing what Molly is seeing, but he doesn't recognize it as Molly. And I feel like he can recognize he knew the name of that kid, Chad, that called out to him on the night of a red ship raider. Why wouldn't he know that this is Molly if he was skilling Molly? You know what I mean? Yeah, I could be wrong, but this just further proves my point in my own mind. My only rebuttal to that would be, why did it take him so long to connect? Because Nettle and him have such a strong connection and link so easily that Fitz doesn't even realize it. So why did it take him tries and tries and tries to connect? Because Nettle isn't born yet. <laughs> sure, then why was it so easy the first time if it's always Nettle? That's, that's my question. Like, it's just it, well, so it, inconsistent with that. I just don't think it was easy any of the other time. He doesn't like... The, the first time he reaches out and sees Birik across, it, it happens pretty much instantly, like the mm. first time. I guess. And he doesn't know why he dreamed of Birik when he was thinking of Molly. Right. Fair enough. Okay. So that's my only thing. Like, right. it's kind of inconsistent if it's always Nettle, because all of their connections seem fairly easy later on. Right. And very, not regular, but like, according to Nettle... Those dreams happen often. Right. Where, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know either. But with seeing Birik and not Molly, he still wants to reach out. Fitz is still incredibly lonely and wants to tell Birik that he's still alive. He's still out there. So he tries and, and struggles to scrabble at Birik's skill block. Can't get through. But he attracts Verity. Verity is in front of him then, his voice no louder than a whisper of wind, and he stood so still I could scarcely see him, yet I sensed he used great force to reach me. Don't do this, boy, he warned me softly. It will only hurt you. I was suddenly in a different place. He leaned with his back against a great slab of black stone, maybe a skill stone, and his face was lined with weariness. 
Verity rubbed at his temples as if pained. I should not be doing this either. But sometimes I so long for... Ah, well, pay no mind. Know this, though. Some things are better not known, and the risks of skilling right now are too great. If I can feel you and find you, so can another. He'll attack you any way he can. Don't bring them to his attention. He would not scruple to use them against you. Give them up to protect them. He suddenly seemed a bit stronger. He smiled bitterly. I know what it means to do that. To give them up to keep them safe. So did your father. You've the strength for it. Give it all up, boy. Just come to me if you still a mind to. Come to me and I'll show you what can be done. And Fitz wakes up. Yeah. So this is really sad because this is a small glimpse of Verity struggling with missing, I assume, Ketrikin. Yeah. Probably other people, but I think romantically the most Ketrikin. Right. And his child and just hoping they're okay. And people in general. Yeah. Also that because he is all alone. (laughs) Verity has been alone for about a year. (laughs) Yeah. A little less than he started a with less a group. Than. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> he, did, he did have a group when he left. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, I'm surprised by the time we get to him, he's not crazy. He is a little bit. Uh, well, but that's I feel like excusable because half of his person is in a dr- stone dragon. Sure. I, I think but, mostly he's not because of the skill that yeah. he can reach out, connect to people. And that's, fair. you know. He witnesses desolation after desolation of the raided villages, but also is obviously talking to Fitz once in a while Mm -hmm. and is obviously has a presence in the skill in the duchies a lot of the time. (laughs) True. Which just goes to show he's crazy powerful with the skill. Oh, yeah. You got to assume he's half starved and weak because he's probably hurt. He's probably way stronger now, especially without elf bark. Right. And the constant use. True. And, I mean, it's hard because it's one of those things where it seems like the more you use the skill, the stronger you get. Yep. And so maybe he never would have been this strong if it weren't for the Red Ship Raiders. True. True. But who knows, I guess. Fitz wakes up. He brews himself some elf bark tea. After just talking about how amazing he is for not putting any medicine on his bruise. Right, exactly. (laughs) But he uses only one small piece of bark. And then the melancholy tone and, you know, the after effects of elf bark set in. And he, he goes over to Night Eyes rests a hand on the wolf's shoulder and says, You are all I have, I told him, full of melancholy. Nut eyes yawned lazily, and I am all you need. Now go to sleep. Sleeping is serious, he told me gravely. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, true. <laughs> 100% true, night eyes. And so Fitz goes to sleep finally for the rest of the night. And when he wakes, he's on the journey. Yeah, for... Uh, following nights and days, we don't get a set timeline as usual. Right. But uh, he and Night Eyes are journeying and uh, together across Pharaoh ever towards Tradeford. Right. And he notes that before he was traveling through Pharaoh, it was also to Regal. 
end to a treacherous end and looking forward to murdering someone. Right. But this time it's his own uncle and the killing is at his own behest. So a little bit of a change since the last time he came through these parts. <laughs> Apparently Pharaoh is unlucky for Fitz because it only... <laughs> he only, only caused problems for yes, him. He only travels through it whenever he has murder on the mind. So, <laughs> and somehow doesn't ever end up doing the murder on purpose. Slash, to true. The, you know, true. he's not the one carrying out the murder. I guess. So he and Night Eyes are traveling, trying to stay out of humans' ways. Uh, Fitz has kept his promise to himself and has ignored towns and villages and things like that, and are. And they're traveling through the backyards of, you know, farms and things like that, trying to warn dogs and stay out of their way, sometimes getting chased off by the dogs. Right. He talks about how dogs have a natural disposition to distrust wolves. And just because he can talk to dogs doesn't mean that they will listen to him. Or believe him. Or believe him because they're not stupid and wolves are dangerous. So, (laughs) of course, they're going to be wary and chase them off. Talks about... Hunting is a little bit different. He steals eggs from hen huts when he can, grabs uh, fruit from orchards, things like that. And sometimes they even uh, they even got a random harager. Which is a type of pig, it yes. seems. A wild boar, maybe, mm-hmm. in that family. That are usually herded by uh, nomadic tribes and nomadic people that live uh, in Pharaoh still. But uh, this one was wandering by itself, so they killed that. And uh, Fitz smoked some meat, dried yes. some meat out so they they could uh, travel faster in the future. So right. he hasn't f- fully fallen back into uh, <laughs> uh, being just a wolf, but he does say, We were wolves again for these long trotting nights. I had reverted once more, but I was aware of it and told myself that as long as I, uh, as I was, it would do me little harm. In truth, I believe it did me good. So he does kind of fall back into a wolf, but he does think of the future. He drives some meat, you know, they're right. He's still traveling towards a goal. And honestly, even if it's a little self delusion, he does heal a little bit on this travel on this journey. Right. I don't know. I don't love the well, it's okay because I know I'm doing it excuse. But I agree that I think some part of this journey is healing in that it's just more time away from the horrendousness that is living after death. <laughs> so I I don't know. I don't like it. I don't think it is healthy, but I think it is the healthiest way Fitz knows how to cope with this. And so I do not blame him for going to a comfort place yeah. while he's going towards something scary that he knows he should not be doing. And this sort of traveling and this sort of partnership is all that he and Night Eyes have wanted for a while. Right. They're not in necessarily any significant danger. They kind of have a goal where they're going. So Fitz is, you know, more more man than mm-hmm. he would be just sitting at the cabin. But also they're just being together. They're hunting. They're fishing. They're traveling. Right. And they're journeying together. Their camaraderie grows deeper and deeper. And... They become more familiar with one another, and Fitz is very introspective about their bond during this this travel as well. Right. I do also want to point out quick that um, 
in this section, Fitz makes note that they, at one point, following the Buck River Northwest, had to go around Turl Lake. Um, They veered wide of it and then went on and does not make any mention of crossing any rivers. That's all I'm going to say. And I will talk more about that later. (laughs) Mysteriousness. Yes. Okay. (laughs) He's thinking about their bond, as I was mentioning before, how Night Eyes was an individual, different than the other partners that he had before, and how they complement one another. They can't do the same things. They... None of the, neither of them think one is superior to the other. Night Eyes can't really count, but, you know, uh, he can have significant more focus on the hunts. Mm-hmm. And there, there's just strengths and weaknesses to both of them, and they complement one another. Right. No one really looks down on the one another, but they do have a little interaction that gets Fitz to think about this and think about this bond when they hunt a porcupine and there are quills um, <laughs> that that Fitz has to pluck out, and also him skinning the porcupine is a is takes some patience for night eyes so right. before he can eat. And Fitz jokingly says, "Sit, hound." And night eyes asks, "Why do men speak so?" Commanding, like what gives a man a right to command a dog if they are not pack? Some are pack, or almost, I said aloud, consideringly. Some men think they have the right, I went on after a moment. Why? Ned Eyes pressed. It surprised me that I had never pondered this before. Some men think they are better than beasts, I said slowly, that they have the right to use them or command them in any way they please. Do you think this way? So Fist thinks about it a little bit. And thinks that, like, well, I rode a horse, didn't I, when I had one? I I kind of bent that horse to my will. I'd use dogs to hunt for me and hawks on occasion. What right had I to command them? And then he asks, Are we better than this porcupine that we are about to eat? Or is it only that we have bested it today? I think I am always smarter than a porcupine, but not better. Perhaps we kill it and eat it because we can. Just as, just as I have a well-trained human to skin these prickly things for me, that I may enjoy eating them the better. He lulled his tongue at me, and we both knew it was only part of the answer to the puzzle. They kind of just decide here together, and Fitz vocalizes it. I don't think I am better than you, I said quietly. I don't think truly that I am better than any beast, though as you say, I am smarter than some. Which is a interesting way to look at it. Um, I think it's an interesting introspective question out of nowhere to think about. Of why do humans think they have the right over animals? And what level of right do we, the reader, think that we have over animals? It's a really interesting introspective question. Yeah. Um, and I thought about it for a while and... I was like, wow, Fitz really has, like, the most eloquent, best answer to this. Like, (laughs) so does Night Eyes. And I'm over here like, um, I don't know. (laughs) Some dog good. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But 
honestly, I think I'm not smarter than most dogs because they always get, all of them always get treats out of me for doing basically nothing. So, <laughs> so really, I'm the porcupine in this situation. Because they're good pups. They're yeah. all good pups. They all deserve treats. <laughs> Fitz relays that, you know, sometimes these hunts that as they're traveling are sharply focused. Sometimes they're just kind of like playfully joking around. Sometimes Night Eyes will roll on his back and want him to scratch his stomach or on his ears or whatever. And their bond is just deepening through this whole travel. Right. And as their bond deepens, they mention, once we had avoided Turl Lake in the surrounding towns, we swung north again to strike the Vin River. And this is where I will talk about my mysteriousness from earlier. The Vin River is to the west, not the north on the map. And Turl Lake is surrounded by two different streams that are not the Vin River in conjunction uh, between Buckkeep and Pharaoh. So weird to me. <laughs> geography's a little off. Yeah, the geography's just a little off. I felt pretty cool about catching that one. And I checked both the map at the front of the book that comes in the book and my fancy uh, map that we got. Yeah, and they're both the same or whatever. And yeah, they're the same. Interesting. So just thought I'd point that out to anybody who... little inconsistency yeah. in the geography. Anybody who finds little mistakes like that interesting like me, because I felt <laughs> very cool about, about finding that, so... Before we move on, but like right before that paragraph, I do want to point out one passage because we were talking about Night Eyes loneliness before. He says, sometimes I would be awakened by a rough poke of a cold nose against mine. When I tried to sit up, I would discover he was deliberately standing on my hair, pinning my head to the earth. At other times, I might awaken alone to see Night Eyes sitting at some distance, looking out over the surrounding countryside. I recall seeing him so silhouetted against a sunset. The light evening breeze ruffled his coat. His ears were pricked forward and his gaze went far into the distance. I sensed a loneliness in him, then, that nothing from me could ever remedy. It humbled me, and I let him be not even questing toward him. In some ways, for him, I was not better than a wolf. So there is that continued theme of loneliness both from Fitz and now explicitly from Night Eyes as well. Right. Like you said before, Emma, we got hints of it throughout this book, but it's mainly been focused on Fitz. Mm -hmm. But now we're getting Fitz being a little bit more thoughtful of his bond and his partner. Right. And seeing that loneliness as well. And it's prepping us for later in the book, <laughs> or in, later in this chapter, I should say. Yes. So they travel uh, apparently to the Vin River, and uh, they are traveling up the river to Tradeford still. So that's yes. that's their goal. They're still heading towards there, just following rivers, following the geography as they can. Tradeford is on the Vin River, so that is correct on the map. Maybe it might be correct. Yeah, see, Buckkeep is on this side, so they go this way. Go to Crow's Neck. And then, what, did they go directly north to hit Turlake and see, like, towns were there? So they went 
wide and then went north again to find the river because they knew trade fair was on the river maybe turns out i don't know how to read maps so they the directions <laughs> might be correct it's hard to tell exactly what they're doing without to like, be fair them. i forgot to check where buckkeep is so technically <laughs> <laughs> technically they didn't have to cross any river to get to turtle lake or from turtle lake to to that's, the Vin River. That's interesting. On this, uh, the the fancy map, as you call it, it's called True Lake. Yes. And in the uh, in the book, it's Tur Lake. Yes. I really thought I found something. <laughs> Fitz is just describing how they're growing leaner, stronger together. He's becoming more healthy, and even though he's not as strong as he was pulling an oar for all of summer, you know, right. a year and a half ago or whenever that was, he's just becoming healthier. But in the meantime of all this travel, his clothes are getting ratty, yes. like real bad ratty. He's looking worse than a beggar. He has had to fix the soles of his shoes already because they have worn out. His pants are now hemmed up to his just below the knee. His shirt has brown blood stains all over it because of all the fighting he's done and, and he, he just decided to go shirtless yep <laughs> he just doesn't wear it anymore so he's looking like a hobo <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know why but i get very strong uh tom sawyer vibes from this <laughs> so every time he talks about how he's just like waiting around in these horrible clothes, I'm like, okay, Tom, we get it. You want to be Huck so bad. Tom Badgerlock. You know. <laughs> the sun baked me almost as dark as my wolf. Physically, I felt good. I was not as strong as I had been when I was pulling an oar and fighting, nor as muscled. But I felt healthy and limber and lean. I could trot all night beside a wolf and not be wearied. Like, wow, Fitz, okay. Yeah, actually pretty in shape. <laughs> he could probably do like a triathlon. Yeah. I guess he doesn't know how to ride a bike, but... I don't think he swims very often. <laughs> Fair enough. He could do some marathons, you know, or an okay. Ironman, maybe. Fine. Uh, an Ironman. But he does say, I regained a great deal of the confidence that Regal had destroyed. Not that my body had forgiven and forgotten all that Regal had done to it, but I had adapted to its twinges and scars. Almost, I had put the dungeon behind me. I did not let my dark goal overshadow those golden days. Night Eyes and I traveled, hunted, slept, and traveled again. It was all so simple and good that I forgot to value it until I lost it. It's very melodramatic, Fitz. Right. Uh, and I think it's a little bit of... A little bit of delusion. Because those scars of the dungeon carry with him all the time and... and this time is is wonderful for him to allow right. his brain to heal a little bit from that past from those memories however he is confronted with them in the future right face to face with Rigo, face to face with will and and those feelings do resurface right well they because, don't fully go away ever because one fall slash summer of pretending to be a wolf doesn't heal the hurt right and I think this should tell Fitz that time really will heal it. And this is a great starting point. And he's starting to heal. And I don't doubt that he is feeling better and he's thinking about it less. And that's great. 
but going straight into the lion's den is not going to make it all better. And some things really don't need to be dot, dot, dot fixed as Fitz would put it. Yeah. And I just wish he would leave well enough alone, but then it wouldn't be a protagonist in a fat (laughs) fantasy series. So, (laughs) Oh, and then he gets into the very melodramatic. I didn't value them as I should have until I lost it. Uh, well, uh, they see a herd of animals that they're going to go hunt and get some food from. And before they can pounce on it as they're stalking, they hear wolves. Howl. Yes. Although, do you know what it is that they're hunting? It's like deer-like creatures. Tiny deer. They were not much taller than night eyes. And instead of antlers, they had goat-like spiraling horns that shone glossy black in the full moon's light. Do I not know what goat horns look like? Or is that the description of a ram's horn? Uh, yeah, kind of. Because goat horns are like little and nubby, I thought. Uh, it's like a full ram horn that it could be described as. But I think Fitz knows what rams and right. like goats are. Because there's goat maybe, herders and like sheep herders and stuff. Maybe right? I just have only seen the baby goats at like petting zoos. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> But also, I have never heard this description of an animal, and I had to really think, because at first I was like, oh, maybe it's like an elk, but I think elk are bigger than deer, right? Uh, yes. Okay, yes. so definitely not elk. I'm trying to look up something. I just typed in tiny deer with curly horns in Google. <laughs> Let's see what pops up real quick. Isn't there a tiny deer... Um, D-I-K, like a dick? Yeah, but... I think those are really tiny, though. Yeah, I think so. And there's... I don't know. There's a bunch of, like, small things that it... I guess it could be. Um, There's a lot of different animals, like a muntjack, I think, is one. Okay, but also, maybe this is just, like, a made-up fantasy deer. It could be, yeah. Um, 100%. Like jackalopes which i just found out like two months ago aren't real so (laughs) and if you didn't know what a jackalope is it is a (laughs) jackrabbit with antlers okay they live in arizona no (laughs) no they do not well they don't because they're not real (laughs) but scooby-doo told me they were real so riddle me that (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah Anyways. (laughs) Anyways. <laughs> so they're jackalopes. Um, <laughs> I'm so upset that they're not real. I can't get over it. I guess they could be like antelope too, but like that doesn't, I don't think the horns fully match the description. Right. I don't know. Whatever. There's some sort of herd animal that wolves think are food. So. Right. Essentially deer. <laughs> yes. They, they hear this pack of wolves howling and night eyes has a very visceral reaction to this. Mouth open, Night Eyes made sounds between a howl and a keen, his jaws quivering and working as if he strove to remember how to speak. The jolt I had felt from him at the wolf's distant howl had made my heart leap in my chest. If my own mother had suddenly called out to me from the night, the shock could not have been greater. Answering howls and barks erupted from a gentle rise to the north of us. The first wolf joined in with them. 
Nadai's head swiveled back and forth as he whined low in his throat. Abruptly, he threw back his head and let out a jagged howl of his own. Sudden stillness followed his declaration. Then the pack on the rise gave tongue again, not a hunting cry, but an announcement of themselves. Nadai's gave me a quick apologetic look and left. In disbelief, I watched him race off toward the ridge. After an instant of astonishment, I leaped to my feet and followed. He was already a substantial distance ahead of me, but when he became aware of me, he slowed and then rounded to face me. I must go alone, he told me earnestly. Wait for me here. He whirled about to resume his journey. Panic struck me. Wait, you can't go alone. They're not pack. We're intruders. They'll, they'll attack you. Better not to go at all. I must, he repeated. There was no mistaking in his determination. He trotted off. I ran after him. Night eyes, please! I was suddenly terrified for him, for what he was charging into so obsessively. He paused and looked back at me, his eyes meeting mine in what was a very long stare for a wolf. You understand. You know you do. Now is the time for you to trust as I have trusted. This is something I must do, and I must do it alone. And if you do not come back, I asked in sudden desperation. You came back from your visit into that town, and I shall come back to you. Continue to travel along the river. I shall find you. Go on now. Go back. That longing, that jolt, saying, Fitz saying that if his own mother had called out to him, the shock wouldn't be as great as what Night Eyes had felt. Right. Is crazy. Like, it, he was so lonely. This is the first adult wolf contact that Night Eyes has ever had since he got ripped out from his family. Right. Well, they just haven't been around. Yeah. They haven't they're... been able. He hasn't been able to. And I think that's the big difference between Fitz and Night Eyes is that Fitz is constantly around people and he's constantly, even if he feels like an other around other people, he still has people and he still has family and people that care about him. Whereas Night Eyes only has Fitz. Right. There is nothing else besides Fitz. And now there is. And he's curious. He needs to know. He yeah. needs to know. And Fitz is a little selfish and doesn't want to let him go. Yeah, that, that panic struck me line is very reminiscent of Night Eyes's first reaction when Fitz was going to go back to town after, you know, at the first time after the dungeons. Right. Of just like, hey, you can't go. We're intruders. They're going to attack you. Yes. Yeah. It's that concern for well-being it's the i'm comfortable with you you're comfortable with me let's just keep it how it is don't change the status quo right let's be safe and fitz has come to really rely on night eyes again uh as we've mentioned he has been a wolf this whole time traveling so that yes. abrupt disconnect is gonna scare someone right especially someone as hurt as fitz right who is used to getting dropped and left by everyone in his life in his eyes that's not necessarily truly what happens but and here it is happening with the one being he thought would never do that to him right it would right. be really really scary and hard and i was also thinking about this visceral knee jerk of you don't need to do this in the same way that night eyes was keeping him from being fully man again of no don't do this 
it's it's the losing of the closeness that they both fear. And yet at the same time, when given the opportunity to be with their own species, yeah, they do it every time. Well, mm-hmm. not every time, I guess. Although I don't know that there's any other times Night Eyes is presented with other wolves. But. Right, yeah. But Fitz doesn't avoid some humans sometimes. Yes. <laughs> but in Fitz general, does. yeah. But now, like you said, Fitz is distraught. He he says he feels that pang of jealousy that Night Eyes must have felt when he had his sessions with Verity, when he was with Molly and excluded Night Eyes. Right. All this sort of, like, shutting out another partner and not being able to reach them without feeling that guilt is... Right. ...has that connotation that... that Fitz now feels kind of guilty for doing that to Night Eyes because he wants to be there so badly. Like right. He wants to be with Night Eyes. Fitz knows that he could be with him, like he could run towards him. He could, you know, be in his mind the whole time. But he had asked him not to, that Night Eyes had asked him not to and no, told him not to be with him. Exerting the same privilege of self that I had exerted with him. I felt it wrenched my heart sideways in my chest to turn away from him and walk back toward the river. I felt suddenly half blind. Because he was, first of all, half right. blind. <laughs> <laughs> he did lose the wolf sense, which is interesting because I guess I just assumed once you are bonded with an animal, you get an increase of your own senses. And maybe that's true if you don't have a block, which I think Night Eyes is kind of doing to Fitz to keep more to himself. But it's really interesting that Fitz does not have the ability to see in the dark anymore, and he can't really smell things that are ahead. He doesn't have that certainty. Yeah, I always always thought it was just an extension of their partner. I know we had that discussion beforehand. Or uh, I don't remember if it was last book or the first book, but I I feel like he could have enhanced senses, but with that sudden diminishing of the addition of Night Eyes' senses, it right. feels like he has nothing. That's fair. And also, yeah, I mean, he could still potentially have better vision at night than most other humans right. yeah. or regular non old blood humans. But, yeah, I don't know. It just is interesting to think about whether or not this is actually, like, part of the wit or something that happens when you share a brain with an animal. So Fitz is distraught. He walks back to the river and and sits and waits and thinks for a long time. He's thinking that, is this exclusion, is this just barest sense of emotions and information getting relayed back what Verity felt when Fitz was on the Rurisk and he was excluded from the fights and, and whatever Fitz could give him. Is this the that exclusion that Night Eyes felt? All of this sort of thing. And Fitz feels sickened by that because he's worried. He's worried sick here. Right. And eventually... He just has to turn and move on. He just starts walking. He does say paying scant attention to myself and my surroundings, which 
I know this is hard for you, Fitz, but also it is the middle of the night and there are things that can hurt you. So maybe pay attention to your surroundings. I don't know. This self-destructive nature when things don't go his way is very fits. Yes. Yeah. It fits well. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for the pity laugh. (laughs) You're welcome. We also get a running update of what is happening with Night Eyes because Fitz is so focused on that. And it's basically just Night Eyes presenting himself safely from a distance so he's not a threat just so the pack can get used to him and and he follows them as they go hunting. So he's just watching them and observing. And Fitz is traveling along. He's going through the, the riverside or along the riverside here, finds a place to sleep. He says he feels very alone and did not sleep well. Because a part of him is still with Night Eyes and watching the wolves. And the other part is lonely and hurting. And he reaches out with the skill. Right. And there are red ship raiders at the Burns Coast. So Mm -hmm. every single night he is brought to those locations night after night different towns whatever he's just sucked into those things and i wonder if the reason that as soon as night eyes is away he is constantly being pulled to these if that's because of the loneliness that he is leaving himself open because he's so like he wants anything as long as it's a connection with somebody that's what i 100 percent think is happening that when night eyes is there Fitz is feeling content. He doesn't need to reach out. He doesn't need right. to feel that connection. If something is is dreadfully happening and, and really requires it, it might tug him away once in a while. But right. this feeling of loneliness makes him skill walk into these towns night after night after night in a row. Right. And it, it's just... Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty terrifying, to be honest. Right. And it makes Fitz remember the time that he skill walked with Shrewd. Yeah. And that he and he wonders how often Shrewd had to do this. And I wonder if it was a lot because Shrewd is also lonely. Because it's lonely at the top. Yeah. Well, now we know Verity's also walking around in these a lot too, as he mentioned before to Fitz when he came before him. And Right. He's lonely. It's just that that skill connection to somebody, the the feel of being around other people right. is a very strong theme running through this last book, this trilogy. Yes. Uh, the last book of this trilogy. And just being lonely. And that that threads through Fitz's whole life in general, but this book in particular, with Shrewd being brought up with Fitz, with Night eyes here in this chapter and with Verity being alone and lonely and with uh, Ketrickin's themes later on in this book as well, mm-hmm. with her being faced with being left alone with Verity or like with Verity dying and passing away. Yeah. Just all of these different things it kind of centers around that central theme of how do you cope with this? Yeah. I guess to be lonely is to be human. Yeah. Um, so, or to be a wolf. I suppose. Just to live, I suppose. I think everybody goes through times of loneliness. But not everybody 
subconsciously calls out to the void and then has to watch people be brutally murdered yeah in vivid detail so uh just gonna be a little bit yeah a little bit thankful that that is not the case for me (laughs) fitz does sense verity likewise stalking those villages as well doesn't really come face to face with him again or appear so strongly but he does sense verity's presence out there and he mentions that over the past few months he had isolated himself and focused on himself more rather than the greater good the greater of the six duchies and he had allowed himself to forget the folk who lived that conflict every day Fitz describes himself as unfeeling as regal, which I don't think is to be true because he had to focus on himself, but it's Fitz, so he goes to extremes, of course. Right. And regal isn't not thinking about it or not thinking about it in this way because he is healing from some horrendous thing. Regal isn't thinking about it in the way of real people suffering because he's a sociopath. (laughs) Well, (laughs) also because he's never experienced, um, not having exactly what he wants at all times. Right, right. So I don't think he can empathize with those people and they don't support him in his mind anyway. So who cares? Which is different than Fitz. With that reconnection to the folk, the six duchies and that feeling of there is a greater good here that we're fighting for Fitz As I mentioned just, you know, 10 seconds ago, he goes to the extremes and says, well, this is my task alone anyways. I'll quest after Night Eyes, see how he's doing. And then Night Eyes felt a little annoyed that Fitz was intruding. So I was like, well, I have to do it alone anyways. This task was always for me alone. Right. (laughs) I'm always on my own and I always will be because my pet has forsaken me. (laughs) Okay, Fitz. I guess friend would be better description of their relationship, but. He says the red ship raiders, the forgings and Regal's treacheries, even my plan to kill Regal were suddenly nasty human things. I had foisted off on the wolf. What right was there in letting such ugliness shape his life? He was where he was supposed to be as little as I liked it. The task I had set myself was mine alone. I tried to let go of him. Still, the stubborn spark remained. He had said he would come back to me. I resolved that if he did it, it must be his own decision. I would not summon him to me. And and again, like there's there's so many times in these books where Fitz has the right idea. He just rationalizes it completely from the wrong direction. Yes, let Night Eyes make his own decision to come back to you. Right. Yes, having... Like, foisting all of your plans onto Night Eyes and making him live your life is wrong. That's also what Black Rolf was kind of telling you. There's a balance. You're both two people. It's not because you're an ugly human thing. (laughs) It's because there has to be equilibrium. He goes straight towards the point and then goes right past it. So far that he is now on the 180 of what he was just doing. And it's... So frustrating. Please, Fitz, be less extreme. Please. And as he is traveling, because he is traveling alone and will always be alone, he decides he's going to walk through a swamp because he doesn't know if it would be easier to walk around or not. Because he's still traveling by night. He's still traveling by night. 
And then he goes, what kind of a moron would travel through a swamp at night? You, Fitz. I, I'm not even a little bit surprised. I don't know why you are. <laughs> but What kind of moron, I asked myself, tried to walk through an unfamiliar swamp in the dark? Serve me right if I found a bog hole and drowned in it. He's so dramatic. It, <laughs> we love him for it. We, I, love him we for do it. love him for it. But man, his dog just wants to make new friends. And he's like, <clears throat> not a sorry. dog. His wolf just wants to make <laughs> new friends. And he's like, I guess I'll just go to the bogs to die. <laughs> okay, Fitz. <laughs> oh, yes. And he gets through the swamp. Yep. He notes that Night Eyes is making progress in the pack. He has a female dog that is kind of approaching him. Female but, wolf. Sorry, female wolf that is <laughs> approaching him. Don't insult them, Emma. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I hope Night Eyes never listens to this podcast. <laughs> but he finds a female wolf that is kind of warming up to him, and he, it seems like he's doing pretty well. Yeah, he's he seems pleased with himself, at least. Yes. And Fitz wakes up on the other side of the swamp discouraged because Night Eyes is doing well. And he has another skill dream of another village burning at right. the same time. So also that. Double negative feelings kind of coming at him from different directions. And then he has one more check-in with Night Eyes where the alpha male is kind of letting Night Eyes in it seems. I don't know. The alpha male is mostly just peeing on the ground and scratching at it. Yeah. And Night Eyes is contemplating it seriously. Like, at least three different times. Yeah, it mentions I don't that. know what that means. Because <laughs> I don't speak wolf. But after that revelation, Fitz lets us know it's been two days since Night Eyes left. Two. And this is the exact opposite of earlier in the book where it's like this amount of like two pages worth of descriptor and all of a sudden it's been um a whole month right and now it's this whole big descriptor and it seems like it's been forever and he's having nightmares every single night and this is horrible and he's really gonna do this on his own and then he's like oh yeah but by the way it's only been two days <laughs> robin hub does that does this weird thing with time that we've talked about but also like, she'll, with this part especially, it kind of brings it to my mind. She says, in well, Fitz narrates, that he has those nightmares about the skill dreams night after night, almost every night. And then he goes into a description of, you know, what has been happening recently again. So I feel like that narration is true that it will be multiple multiple nights that he dreams of that right but the rest of like the four pages was just two nights i don't know it, it's it kind of jars you a little bit it's good writing in that like you get the full sense of what is happening in the narrative and where Fitz is going and how this plagues him and his emotions during it right but also like after you read two nights you're like hmm? oh <laughs> i'm sorry Two? You couldn't make it two <laughs> days got without more your pet. Of this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, to be fair, Night Eyes has the only brain cell between the two of them, so <laughs> I'm True. not surprised. True. Well, half a brain cell because the other half is preoccupied with porcupines. So. True. True. <laughs> 
So Fitz is contemplating this now. It's been two days. Okay. What if he never comes back? What if he never comes back? What, what if he finds what he's out there to find? But what really had he gone to find out? What it was like to be a wolf among wolves? A member of a pack? If they accepted him, what then? Would he run with them for a day, a week, a season? How long would it take for me to fade from his mind into one of his endless yesterdays? Why should he want me want to return to me if this pack would accept him? After a time, I allowed myself to realize I was as heart-sore and hurt as if a human friend had snubbed me for the company of others. I wanted to howl, to quest out to night eyes with my loneliness for him. By an effort of will, I did not. He was not a pet dog to be whistled to heal. He was a friend and we had traveled together for a time. What right did I have to ask him to give up a chance at a mate, at a true pack of his own, simply that he might be at my side? None at all, I told myself. None at all. And again, these are great realizations to come to, but he's like, I wanted to howl at the moon for my loneliness. He was never coming back if he chose not to come back. He was never coming back and I'd be alone forever. But what right did I to be sad about this? Because he has a right to his own life. (laughs) Also, it's been two days. Yeah. So. But these are these are the questions that Black Rolf brought up as well. True. So I feel like this experience so soon after that discussion with Black Rolf really brings him back to it after this book, Mm -hmm. after the conclusion of this, when he spends a year with them. Fitz kind of was thinking seriously about it in a new light after Black Rolf proposed some of these long-term questions to him that he didn't know the answers to. But I think this solidifies that discussion and be like, well, what if Night Eyes did go? I would need to know what to do kind of thing right i do wonder if this wouldn't have happened if they would have met in the traditional old blood way when they were both adults or if it's inevitable that animals want to be with other animals after a while with humans where they just need to go be with their kind for a little bit and then they come back i don't know i feel like Night Eyes is a special case because he wasn't right. like well, a wild animal, really, because he was snatched as a <laughs> as, as a, a young pup, right, and then kept in a cage, and then he was like in a tame hut with mice, <laughs> right, that he ate, and I don't know. It yeah. just well, he does seem to have some innate animal instinct knowledge. Oh, hundred percent, he does. So, I think. That's what makes him able to understand all the weird animal stuff happening in this wolf pack. He was raised by his mother for a while and right. has memories of that. So. so that helps. I don't know. Maybe this is why you can't or you're not supposed to bond too young because it's not fair to the animal either because then they don't become they don't quote unquote this, normal. Yeah, they don't have the social socialization that they need to become adults to make right. their own choices same as humans wouldn't have right because if you bond too young the humans stay quiet <laughs> because they don't <laughs> need to speak out loud or whatever you know right which to be fair if i could speak in the mind of my best friend i probably wouldn't have learned to speak either <laughs> <laughs> true true but i think that's that's part of the the reason why black rolf is kind of upset at them all the time right because 
Night Eyes is too human and Fitz is too wolf-like. Right. It, some kind of unholy blend between the two. Because Night Eyes, I think after this, when he comes back to Fitz, he's like, yeah, it was nice, but like, nah. Yeah, like, they're I, too I'm weird. like a little too human for them kind of yeah. thing. Uh, so, so I feel like there's just that missed opportunity. Like you said, since he was taken young there's no socialization chance Mm -hmm. he can't grow up among his own kind and just doesn't doesn't care as much anymore he wanted to know what it was like because he never experienced it but beyond that it's too late yeah it's too late now fitz continues to travel on that day and is startled by a hawk that's diving at him throws his arm up lands on his arm, and it is sleet. Right. Well, he throws his arm up because the hawk dives straight for him. Yeah. And he realizes, almost as the hawk is to him, oh, I'm the target. So, so it wasn't a, like, fanciful, here, have my arm, sleet. It, it was, was, oh, my God, my I'm going to die. <laughs> and he does say sleet is a magnificent bird in every way. He's not a big bird person. No. Uh, and Birk eventually just told him to stay away from the birds at Buckkeep. But he does notice uh, Sleet has uh, some message tied around his leg. And Sleet does say old blood to him in recognition. So he just unties that leather. Right. And, and Fitz Sleet says flies away. He could not make any more out of his thoughts than the old blood. Mm-hmm. And I, that made me wonder if you just can't talk to all animals. Like some people, like being born a redhead versus a blonde. Yeah. Like some people are just bird people and can hear all the birds super clearly. And then dogs, maybe one or two words. Or if it's just because he is a adult bird that was with a traditional old blood human and therefore knows how to conceal his thoughts from humans or... Or doesn't care enough to actually speak to right. Fitz at all. Just, like, says the one... Like, tries hard enough to make old blood <laughs> right. noticeable and but, then, like, doesn't care because the message is there. <laughs> right. But also, Fitz never talks to birds. He just cannot... Yeah. He talks to Motley. He talks out loud to yeah, Motley. True. Motley never talks to him through the true. wit. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's Motley's a weird case that I'm not really anxious to get to. Right. I like Motley. I like Motley too. It's just gonna be hard to like talk okay. Talk about in the book. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to read through the rest of the books again and come up with some theories and conclusions about that. Because there's like <laughs> weird things with animals and magic and stuff that happens in the final trilogy that Right. I feel like surface level aren't super consistent, but could be explained in different ways. Sure. You know? I don't know. Whatever. We'll get there eventually. (laughs) Years from now, we'll all grow up together with these books again. (laughs) Grow old. But also just... Sipping brandy by the fire. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Just a a quick backtrack. There is a seagull that somebody tries to get Fitz to bond with. And it does not work. He's like, no, thank you. (laughs) Really? I know there's a seagull uh, risk... Yes. That Webb has. And Webb finds another seagull. Or maybe it's not a seagull. Maybe it's a different type of bird. It's before Motley. Mm. That he... I'm pretty sure it's the next series at some point. And he's yeah, like, when, you when Night Eyes passes away. Yeah. 
He's like, I have this perfect bird for you. And Nida, and Fitz is like, mm, no, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is like the color of your hair. Just what type of animal you can hear the most clear. He's just not a, uh, not a bird person. No, that's fair. <laughs> not everybody is. He enrolls the scroll and the greeting is old blood greets old blood. And I guess the scroll was tattered, the spellings quaint, the words as few as would suffice. The warning was from Holly, though I suspected that it was written by Black Rolf. And it basically says that King Regal knows about you. He's actively hunting down Old Blood now, and to those that he captures, he offers coins if they would help find a wolf-man pair. They, uh, meaning Holly and Black Rolf, suspect that Night Eyes and him were the ones that he wanted. Regal threatened death to those who refused. There was a little more something about giving my scent to others of old blood and asking that they aid me as they could. The rest of it was too tattered to read. So Will has told Regal that he has found Fitz and was attacked by Night Eyes. Or maybe they found Will on the ground with claw marks and stuff and right. we'll explain later what had happened either way they know about Fitz and Night Eyes now and they are on the lookout for him which is not great no but also we get the tidbit and the foreshadowing that some old blood might be helping them find Fitz and Night Eyes which does happen yes in the latter part of this when he's escaping from Tradeford and is chased a man with a bloodhound I think chase after him and um, chase them to the mountain kingdom where Fitz is like attacked with arrows and stuff and that's when the fool has to nurse him back to health right yeah it's it's definitely rough and kind of sad that Regal can get old blood to turn on Fitz because it's not like otherwise they'll kill them (laughs) it's not like he's not going to anyway He'll still kill them when he runs out of the other old blood to kill. Right. They just have a little bit longer and a little bit more coin before then. And it, I mean, I get it because in a situation like that where it's death now or death later, I probably would pick death later, even if it was a horribly morally wrong thing to do. But I don't know. It just makes me sad that these poor innocent people are put in this position and that it's going to take a lot to undo what Regal has done to the public perception of old blood people. Yep. And so as he thinks about this future, he sees a town coming up. And since he's alone, he decides, you know, maybe I can talk to the people in there. Maybe I can see what's going on. Maybe I can read the gossip. And he decides to go in. And he thinks that it's good Night Eyes isn't here because now they can't pin him as the wolf man. Right. Because he's just a man and there's no wolf. But it's very, that's very immature of, well, maybe I will go to town because Night Eyes has his new friends. So I'll make mine. It, it feels very much like that and not like, well, maybe I should go to town to see if this is a true rumor. Right. More like, well, maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fitz says it was time I began formulating a real plan as to how I would deal with Regal. It was time I began depending only on myself. 
Okay. Yes. Um, still in the throes of I'm going to be forever alone because Night Eyes is going to leave me for his own kind. But whatever. He has decided to go into town. Still a good decision to rely on yourself and not be a wolf forever. Also to not make Night Eyes spend so much energy right. making Looking you feel better you. instead yeah. of helping grow your own ability to make yourself feel better work on yourself bud i agree <laughs> you do need it yep yep i know this is coming from a petty place from you but hey a broken clock is right twice a day so <laughs> so fitz was on the mend in this chapter he he had a lot of physical health uh improvements mm-hmm. with moving and just traveling all the time but also mental improvements where he was he's becoming more stable and moving past some of his demons however at the cost of becoming too reliant on night eyes and that company so when night eyes leaves for a little bit he's totally distraught skill flung everywhere kind of careless with his traveling and finally makes the decision to go into town it is very reminiscent of how he reacted when Chade and Burek left where he threw caution to the wind and he just doesn't care anymore and he's going to go to the extreme of not caring just without diving into a wolf because the wolf isn't there right now. Right. And he just is so destructive when he doesn't get his way and it's so sad. It's still a goal that he's going for. Sure. But yes, it's a bit impulsive. However, it's also a good thing in my mind. If I'm just like looking at him as a person, like it's a good thing for him to try to re-enter some human lives at this point. Sure, but also he just got told that Regal knows he's alive and is looking for him, and I really don't feel like that's the time to be Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going impulsively into a town. You're not oh like I'm just saying like as a person that is healing, it is good for him to separate from Night Eyes for yes. a while here. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish he wouldn't go straight into danger. Right. Any last closing words on this chapter? Man, Fitz is not happy. <laughs> no, no, he's not. He's not. He's determined to be happy alone, though. <laughs> Which I think is almost Forever. sadder. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We had a lot to discuss about the inner workings of Fitz's scary, scary mind and tormented, tortured mind. But if you have any comments to make about that, please let us know at isfitshappy at gmail.com or you can message us or comment directly on any of our posts at isfitshappy at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And that's also our username on Reddit. Yeah. We always love hearing from you guys. Yeah, 100%. Thanks for tuning in. Time for social media corner. And boy, do I have some beef to pick with you guys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So just right off the top, um, I put on our Instagram story a little love indicator of how much everybody liked Acorn Chic, the look that I am dubbing what everyone voted for on Twitter as Holly's hairstyle. And the reaction was not as positive as I had believed. 
I am kind of in love with the look. <laughs> I have my eyes have yeah, been opened. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't need anything from the peanut gallery. Thank you. <laughs> I really actually thought that that look was pretty cute, but I guess everybody else says that I have bad taste. Not everybody else. Thank you to the few of you who agreed with me. Um, but the average reaction was not as positive as I thought it was going to be. Although we did vote on Twitter and the court of public opinion says that that is the look that Holly probably had. Um, but yeah, so I just had to start off right from the top with that beef that I had with y'all who voted that it was not <laughs> super cute. <laughs> I see you and your opinion is valid, but I, oh, I do not not agree with you. <laughs> um, so anyway, we'll get into some <laughs> some actual comments from real people. Um, not that I guess the voters weren't real people. <laughs> and I think we'll start with Instagram here. Yeah. So we got Eloise the Calico Links commented on our last episode, episode sixty nine the last chapter and first off wants to discuss a little bit more about what the uh, previous commenter had talked about with a uh, reactive attachment disorder rad and diagnosing fits this person is speaking as a therapist and had already in their mind kind of made a hypothesis that fits was suffering from that as well and complex ptsd of course that's <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty apparent, but um that I thought that was a very interesting corroboration as well. Yeah. And I was looking it up a little bit and it's basically you have bad experiences uh attaching with people when you're young and specifically they point out the two bonded partners that Fitz had, both Nosy and Smithy. They ended so tragically for Fitz when he right. was 6 and 8 or whatever it was. Yeah. Maybe um, 12. Or no, yeah, it was, I guess it was like... Six for sure for the first. Yeah, and then maybe like 12, 13, 14 for Smithy, because he was out on his own when Smithy died right? for the skill trial. So maybe like 14, I guess. I don't remember was when he was before learning. Before or after he went to the Mountain Kingdom and... I, th- I think it was after, after or before. before. Oh no, God. maybe it was after. I don't remember. I don't remember at all. It's so long ago now. <laughs> <laughs> we end up to read these chapters every week and we're still like, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> Somewhere in there. But I thought that was an interesting corroboration. Also, Fitz isn't real. He's not a real person. So I don't right. really feel that uncomfortable throwing around potential diagnoses because yeah. it's not a real person we're affecting with potentially misdiagnosing him. Um, I would never diagnose. I don't think either of us would ever try to diagnose a real person um, because that is not our job. (laughs) But yeah, it is interesting to try to see if, you know, different diagnoses fit characters and wonder if maybe that was part of Robin's or Hobbes writing process. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we can get familiar with Robin here. <laughs> I know. I was like, ooh, that doesn't... We're not on that level yet. I don't know her, so... <laughs> Would love to, though, so... 
But also the second part of their comment here was talking about the old blood boundaries when a partner passes away. When Black Rolf was talking about how, uh, and we were talking about how a part of Night Eyes lives on in Fitz and gets transferred to B. And when Fitz is recounting how Black Rolf kind of is trying to explain that to him, specifically they say i recall in a later book black rolf trying to teach fitz about appropriate old blood boundaries in the context of the human protecting himself in a way from the gunt-wrenching agony that would come when the animal died if the human did as fitz did with night eyes complete and enmeshed bond fitz could not understand rolf's teaching about remembering the animal in his heart compared to quote living on and how Fitz articulated his understanding made Rolf repulsed as it was too close to the perversion the piebalds believed. So in this, with that like mixing and um, passing it on to B, they're kind of agreeing with us in a way that like it was too close from like the normal old blood. Right. And something different happened with Fitz, which allowed Night Eyes to be more there than another witted partner would be. Right. And I do want to clarify, I think there is a passage where Black Rolf talks about how people do hear the their partners yes. after death. Yeah. And that you'll like something will happen and you'll hear a familiar phrase or they you just hear their voice in your head and how you presumably imagine they would respond. And that's what I always thought it was like an intense memory because we were so linked together, but not actual responses. Right. You know? And I was thinking that it potentially could be real responses, but more of like a residual, not as strong as this Night Eyes connection is later for And Finn. Night Eyes has like conversations, right. <laughs> like, which is different. <laughs> Night Eyes is straight up. <laughs> and honestly, it's probably a workaround because... We could not lose the brilliant Night Eyes. He right, of is course. the heart and soul of the duo. He lightens <laughs> the mood. He is so funny. He has the humor out of yes. the two for sure, <laughs> which is nice. I liked in this chapter where he's pranking Fitz by waking him up but standing on his hair. Right. <laughs> Just, uh, he's so good. He's such a good pup. Um, <laughs> and definitely don't want him listening to this podcast because I think he would not like me because I always call him a dog. But... <laughs> But they also kind of agree that that mixing of souls and everything kind of allows B to have more fathers right. in, in actuality than than like physical, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're also curious of what you guys thought about this as well. Yeah, we're going to put up a poll mm-hmm. um, probably after this goes up because it doesn't make sense to do it <laughs> before. <laughs> But just to see what you guys think about fathers, and then we'll talk next time about the results of that poll. Yeah, um, definitely. And also, just a quick tangent, I have been kind of wondering what that means for Nettle, um, because there is a little bit of blurred boundaries between Personage with Fitz and Night Eyes before Fitz dies, but I wonder if it isn't fully actualized because he didn't live in Night Eyes for a long period of time. But he did, in that one instance, go somewhere else and Night Eyes overtook his body. Right. So, and, and she does remember him as, like, the wolf 
man thing, yes, you know? Yes, wolf father. Yeah. So, yes, there is a little bit of yeah, something there. But not as strong. But not as strong as what B gets, yeah. Right. I don't know. It's very interesting to think about, but we'll never know. Mm-hmm. Although I do like to think that Fitz's, like, skill Sona is just him with a wolf head. He's like, <laughs> I hope nobody finds out I'm I'm witted. <laughs> this whole time, that's how he's been showing up to Verity. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of funny, actually. So thank you, Eloise, for the very interesting discussion starters. And now we'll go to Facebook. We move back a chapter, chapter five. And this is uh, Ellen commenting on episode 68, chapter five. And first points out that this chapter, this is the one where we're with minstrel the minstrels yes and harper josh and i think we, we first meet, meet them with for them. the first time yes yep and how this chapter had not stuck out in their mind very much maybe because it was very typical fantasy with going to an inn listening <laughs> to some minstrels having some gossip talk you know right all that sort of thing it's Fair enough. <laughs> quote unquote normal fantasy <laughs> Which is interesting to me because that that whole encounter is is what I mentioned at the beginning of this book is right. what I was kind of looking forward to. I liked that interaction and that it stuck out to me specifically in this book because it was such a change from the beginning and from the the second book and everything. Right. Yeah. I always right. remember that those couple chapters. I never remember what happens that right. like over what chapter, but. I always remember those encounters like, oh, he was with Harper's and got attacked by Forged Ones. and Right. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it doesn't super stick out to me, but I like it. I mean, when I think heavily on it, I have pretty vivid imagery of what this chapter is. Right. But it, I don't, I don't know, talk to me in four weeks and I probably won't remember it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that could be said about most of these chapters. <laughs> Ellen also comments about our discussion with about Will. And his comment on Fitz giving him wings and claws. Yeah, Fitz's skill strength particularly. If I could drain you off, Fitz, I would get wings and claws. Yes. And Ellen thinks that he is talking about carving a, a skill dragon. Because so we had that discussion, and I didn't think so, just because... I didn't want to say yes just because we don't know what's in the skill scrolls, but Ellen does think that there's enough time and there's enough other coteries and stuff that he has been going over to, you know, the pale woman's treasure trove of skill scrolls that Regal and Galen sold off and learning about that. Maybe Kebble told him about it, whatever. So those coteries being trained up gives Will enough time because there's enough time passage for him to learn more and, and learn more about the skill over there. Right. And gives maybe him the idea of making his own, making his own, but with like one of those young coteries being like thrown in to do the grunt work. And then he is coming in as like the leader, right. which we know doesn't work No, in the skill dragons. But like if you didn't have a very good idea of how it worked, you could think that. Yes, because the, the pale woman and Kebel Robred also don't really know how it works. Because they don't have a full picture of it. We learn that because they try right. to use multiple pieces of skill stone. They use random people and just kind of throw them in. Right. It's just their knowledge is not complete. So maybe Will does learn about it and kind of hints at it. Well, it, I do kind of think that 
they would want to know how forging works, right? Yeah. Like, you'd think you're working together. Maybe you'd find out how forging works. Right. Just to yeah. know. It makes sense. I just didn't, like, during that episode, I didn't want to say one way or the other because we literally have no idea what Will is doing. True. And I was pretty focused on the intent that, like, he would just be there as an ambassador and it would be interesting to see from either Regal's or the Pale Woman's perspective or Will's perspective to see how close their relationship actually was. Right. I don't know if I care to read a book from Will's perspective. No, I don't yeah, think he's very interesting. Although that could be because Fitz is our narrator. Maybe he is a very interesting person. I would re- read a book with a few chapters from his perspective. If sure. we got like a, you know, the third person point of view changing perspectives like Live Ship right. with the Pale Woman, Regal, and He's, Will yeah. with a couple of chapters, I'd Will be is, perfectly okay. Yeah, at the same level as Kyle is in the next series where reading from his perspective like once or twice is fine. More than that's a little bit much. Yeah, I don't I don't care. <laughs> you don't really. want to spend that much time in Kyle's or Will's head? No. <laughs> no, that's fine. They're just bad people. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but Ellen does bring up the questions of, you know, you know... How much communication, yeah. Yeah. Are they learning things? What is going on? What is the level? And it is an interesting thought to have of what is going on behind the scenes that Fitz has no way of knowing. Uh, Ellen also commented on episode 69, chapter 6, which is last week's episode, uh, about how Regal gets a lot done in his short, like, half of year as king because he has the king's circle set up. He has the guard, the royal guards put in place in all of the towns, and it's been long enough to where people feel like this is normal now. So he was making big changes real quick and is just really turning things on its head. So say what you want about Regal, but he gets stuff done. Not good stuff. (laughs) Just stuff. Just a little asterisk there. Not good stuff, but stuff. He he probably has been preparing for it for a long time, though. Yeah, (laughs) setting setting everything up, having the, the Duke's of Tilth and Pharaoh kind of prepare it. Right. Because he's like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be king and move inland probably six months before his dad even died, you know? Right. I'm sure his mom had ideas and told him, like, oh, yeah. Oh, we should have the the weirdies of the world fight each other in what we call a king's circle. And that just <laughs> turned into witted people. But whatever. He's a very horrible person (laughs) so effective though very effective yeah so thank you ellen for that as well yes um thank you everyone who reached out we always enjoy hearing your points of view and thinking about your questions and we can't wait to hear what you guys come up with next week 